motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am excited to be here with our guest today, Hillary Kinney. Hillary is a project director with 18 years of experience at a Fortune 500 company. She is also the proud mother of an elementary school student. Her recent parenting accomplishments include teaching him to, among other things, plan his day independently, make dinner, and get his chores done without complaining most of the time. Her career achievements range from facilitating a C-suite-sponsored customer recognition program across 7,000 Marriott properties globally, to directing special projects for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company President's Office. Hillary earned a Bachelor's of Science in Hotel Administration from Cornell University. She holds a Project Management Professional Certification from the Project Management Institute, as well as a Change Practitioner Certification from the Prosy Change Management Leadership Center. She lives with her family in the Washington, D.C. area. Thank you so much for joining me, Hillary. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, where I like to start with all of my guests is to learn more about their story. So I would love for you to share what's been your journey in motherhood and work that has brought you to where you are today. Absolutely. So for me, I would say I was a career project manager first. And have been doing that for many years and motherhood came later to me in life um, through adoption. So I guess my journey may be a little different than, than others with the adoption journey. It was a three-year journey through three different countries and many different administrative routes to, to fulfill, to get through the adoption process. Um, we consider domestic adoption in the U.S. and then international adoption. And then when the international adoption I wasn't going through, we considered another country. And then surprise, surprise, a baby boy was born on Christmas day in our home state in the United States, who we ended up adopting. And I'm going to get teary eyed, but it was just a really amazing, amazing moment for us after three years to have this beautiful son who is now 10. So <laughs> sorry, you're so precious to me. So obviously we, we had a lot going on with the adoption and I knew that I really wanted to be there in a way for him. So it just made me reconsider career. And I was always very focused at work, you know, working in corporate America. So it caused me to reevaluate and make some changes to be there with my precious son. So I adjusted my schedule and I've been working part-time still in corporate America for 10 years now. And I've been blessed to be able to make that work with both. So my juggle is real, but it works for us. That is such a beautiful story. And I've had the privilege of 
meeting virtually your beautiful boy. And I love that story of how he came to be part of your amazing family. It is a fantastic story. And then the journey that follows was sort of Mm -hmm. figuring out that juggle and and then making things work in the best way possible for you and your family. Now, you have written and published a book called Project Management for Parents, Engage the Family, Build Teamwork, and Succeed Together. So first of all, what exactly is project management and what made you decide to write this book as a tool for parents? Absolutely. So as a project manager, what I do at work every day is I help companies roll out anything new, any new product or service they want to roll out. So it could be, you know, building a new hotel, rolling out a new service, um, like a new customer recognition program. So I work with teams of people at work from all across the company, like you need someone from IT and finance and operations and marketing, and you all come together as a freestanding team and you build this project and you roll it out. And it's super satisfying and fun. I love it. Um, So it requires a lot of team building and management skills. And then it's also an awful lot of organization because these projects are incredibly complicated, you know, thousands of tasks and multiple stakeholders and communications. But the beauty of project management is you can use it in any industry. Like they use it a lot in, you know, computer and IT. They use it in science. They, you know, they use it in construction. So the framework doesn't change, but how you apply it does and sort of your expert knowledge in your industry applies, but it's a very powerful business tool that's been in place for years. And so that's what project management is from a business perspective. So then how did you decide to take project management and apply that to a book that would help parents and families? Well, it's interesting because I never planned on writing a book. It's never been on my bucket list. You know, I hadn't really thought about it, but then the pandemic hit and a lot of things changed and a lot of things are different now. And um, it got me thinking when I start, when I personally experienced my son's school shutting down, there's no childcare, there's no activities. We're working from home. Everything's happening at home. You start experiencing that compression of just too much to do with too little people to do it. And then I started seeing, you know, and hearing from parents that they're all experiencing the same thing, just this incredible pressure of having to do so much with so little. And it's just really difficult situation for people. And then I just got to thinking, I was like, you know, this a project management issue that I deal with at work every day. You know, you have these big projects that these executives want you to roll out. You never have enough money. You never have enough people and you never have enough time. Right. And you've got to make it happen. So I just started thinking about it and I put some thoughts on paper and posted them to LinkedIn. Um, just some, you know, five tips of what you can do to, you know, during the pandemic. And I called it project management for parents. That was the title of the article. And little did I know, you know, two years later, it would be a book. But it just kind of grew and resonated with people and turned into speeches, which turned into a book deal, which turned into it coming out in bookstores, you know, the first of this month. And here we are today and we're talking about it. That is incredible. It's so crazy sometimes how circumstances happen in our life. We put something out there and just the chain reaction of things that happen. And you've got this amazing book now. (laughs) I know. And yeah, it's been really fun just to hear the positive feedback because you just don't know when you put something out there, what people are going to think. But 
So I've just been really encouraged that people are finding it helpful and easy to implement and simple. And that was my goal, right? The goal is to help people and not to overcomplicate things. So it's just been really encouraging that, you know, as parents, we're all in this together, right? And we all know it's tough. And if we can give each other tools to make it a little easier, you know, let's do it. Absolutely. We're definitely in it together and any strategies and tools and resources that can help us manage the juggle, especially in these crazy times is so appreciated and helpful. Now, one of the key topics in your book is prioritization. And with so much going on in both our work and personal lives, what are some ways that we can prioritize in a way that's going to work best for each of us and our families? Absolutely. This is my favorite part of project management. It's a theory of constraints and it basically we manage to our limits, which I think is a bit countercultural and different than what we're used to hearing. So I think part of the reason it's so powerful is because we're used to thinking of, okay, how do I maximize my time and how do I get as much done as possible in the amount of time that I have? But the, this project management theory of constraints sort of flips that on the head, your head and says, what are my limits and what do I need to be restricted by? And I think it's really helpful to think about it this way. And in project management, we, we call the triple constraints of project management. It's scope, time, and cost. We manage every project to those. And you have to stay in the triangle because if you go for budget, you know, the executives aren't going to be happy. If you run late, they're not happy. And if you don't get the work done, they're not happy, right? So you have to stay in your triangle. So what I've done in the book is I related it to parenting in terms of a stop sign. Like what's your stop sign? What fits in your stop sign? And what do you do when you go over your stop sign? So just at a high level, what I encourage people to do is just start thinking in that manner of in terms of time, budget, workload? Is it school? Is it your careers, activities? What kind of quality of life do you have? What kind of family time do you want to have? How does that all fit together? And just set yourself up for success by looking at those big buckets. Because no matter how organized you are, if you've got too much going on categorically, you're not going to be able to make it happen. So if I take too much on as a professional project manager, I'm still not going to be able to get it done because it's just fundamentally skewed, right? My stop sign, I've exceeded my stop sign. My water balloon has burst because it's just too full. So I just encourage people to set yourself up for success at the beginning and really be thoughtful of what you're taking on and what your priorities are as a family so that you can reach those goals. And I, I also really love how in your book, you talk about building in that white space, like not filling that stop sign to the brim with all the things that you need to do. And different people might have different amounts of white space that they're comfortable with, but having that in place gives you some, some flexibility. And that's something that has really resonated for myself and my family too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that actually, I got that idea from my mother-in-law. She's a very wise woman. And, you know, when Jeff and I, before we were parents and we were both like full throttle in our careers with long commutes and, you know, she would come for a visit and she'd be like, you know, Hillary, I just wish you guys had a little more white space in your lives. And, and basically it's buffer, right? Like buffer, like free time. You don't have anything scheduled or planned or you're not doing something just to relax and, you know, just be a human instead of running and doing all the time. So I've but tried to be more intentional about that. And I encourage people in the pandemic because I think our mental capacity is more limited because there's so much going on in the pandemic and we have so many decisions to make and 
things are changing all the time with school schedules and our work schedules, and you just don't know what's going to happen next. I've been encouraging people to add a little more white space in their schedules because I think our reaction times have slowed and our ability to mentally process has slowed because there's just, we're basically saturated with change and there's so much going on. We need to give ourselves a little more free time and I guess grace to just sort of work through things and be ready for those unexpected so that we can address them, you know, in a way that's positive and not be overwhelmed by them. Well, and that leads so well into my next question, because there's this famous quote that the only constant is change. Yes. <laughs> and as and families, we've been living through that the past couple of years. Oh my gosh, have we ever like almost at, at some points it was daily. You just didn't, yes. didn't even you know. You just what didn't the, know what was going to happen. No. <laughs> and in general, as families, we can be faced with so many changes over time, like moving to a new house or city or a new school or a new job or Maybe there's an illness or an injury of a family member and like the list could go on and on and on. So what are some strategies that can help families more effectively manage these times of change? Absolutely. Well, there are two approaches in project management that are, again, very powerful. One is the concept of change management, which we incorporate in any project. And the other is the concept of risk management. So I'd love to cover both of those because I think they're really helpful. So I'll start with risk management. And basically, risk management is being ready for anything that could happen and thinking about it in advance. So when I'm at work, what I do is that anytime I run a project, we're like, okay, what are the risks of these projects? And we talk about them early on before they happen. Like, okay, is our budget really tight or could weather be an impact or are resources an issue? Or is IT going through an upgrade and we won't, and that's going to impact our work? So we think through, okay, these are the potential risks. Are they high impact? And what's the likelihood they're going to happen? So what's the impact they could have? What's the likelihood they could occur? And then we decide, okay, based on that rating, what do we need to do about them? Do we need to address it now or not? So like in your home life, you might want to plan for school being closed, right? Before it happens. So you can figure out work schedules, maybe talk to your boss in advance about what you do if if school closes down for COVID lockdowns. You know, do you need to talk to your parents to see if they could cover childcare or find a childcare facility? Things you can do in advance to be ready. So when it happens, you're less stressed, you have a plan and you can just execute it. But there's other things you don't need to plan for. Like, you know, sure, asteroid hitting Earth would be a huge impact, but the likelihood of it happening is very low. So that could be on your list, but you don't need to do anything about it. So as we're going through all these changes, it can be very good emotionally and mentally to plan ahead. And actually studies have shown that there are actual physical and emotional benefits to planning because it takes that anxiety away because you know that you have a plan. So this process of going through this risk management analysis really gets you ready and can alleviate some of that sort of nagging stress you may be having of, oh my goodness, I don't know if school is going to close down, but at least I know when it happens, I have a plan. So like for us, what that looked like is we signed up for a drop-in childcare facility for Jacob. So, cause my husband and I both work from home and it's very difficult to get things done when he's here and they can also help him with his schoolwork. So, you know, but that required us filling out the contract with them and, you know, getting our account set up and, you know, finding a facility that we are comfortable with. So that's something you can do proactively to get ready for some of those changes that may occur and just um, reduce your stress levels. That is great advice. And you're so right. Whenever I have a plan or taking that time to make that plan or lay out that plan alleviates 
so much anxiety if I put that thought in rather than just kind of trying to wing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then when it happens, like it's, it benefits you, but it also benefits the family, right? Cause the kids know, okay, I'm going to this childcare facility. They don't have to worry about, well, what am I going to do today? Or where am I going? Or, you know, it just um, helps the whole family. Absolutely. Now in the intro and in your bio, I mentioned some of the things that you had shared about ways that implementing project management strategies have helped in your own family and with your son and the things that he's doing. Now, many hands make light work and it can be a challenge to get the whole family on board when it comes to things like chores (laughs) or a family project like planning a trip or in your book, you also talk about building a treehouse. So how do we get our families to work together better as a team in order to get things done and keep things positive? (laughs) Absolutely. Because no one likes nagging, right? We don't like it. They don't like it. It's no fun for anybody. (laughs) Well, the interesting thing about project management is just not organization and tasks. We definitely consider the people side of any project. And I like to define project management as people plus process. It's not just process. So, and this ties into the whole change management framework that we were talking about before, which is another science of how you get people to adopt change. And we use that at work. And it's actually a specific process that we go through. So what you can do is you can use that change management process. And basically change management is helping people through the emotions of change. Because any change that you're doing with your kids, whether that be building a tree house or moving to a new town or implementing a new chore chart, it's a change, right? And change fundamentally is a transition from something known to something unknown. So you're going through this transition from one to the other, and that's a loss. You're losing what you know, and you're sort of venturing into this unknown that may be a little scary. Like moving to a new town is probably the best example for that. And that can trigger some emotions. You know, it can trigger the grief response of, you know, anger and loss and depression and resistance. So it's important just to just think about that with your kids and your family as you're going through, if you're about to move your family to a new town, part of the process of change management is supporting them through the change and helping them talk through and process those emotions and talk through, okay, well, what's, what's happening? Involve them early so that they know and have time to go through the grief response and, and support them through it and talk to them about it as they go through it. Like, you know, don't be surprised if they're resistant at the beginning, you know, or don't be surprised if they get angry. That's just their natural human reaction to what's going on. So I think just knowing that in advance can be helpful. And then you can sort of be on the lookout for it. Like if you're getting a lot of resistance from your kids on something, you kind of know, oh, well, maybe I haven't brought them in enough on the conversation about what's going on. Maybe there's some unknowns that's scary to them and maybe we need to talk about it more or, you know, talk about how they're feeling and check in with them about it. Like when my son transitioned to virtual school, you know, at first he's like, Oh, I'm happy. I don't have to wear a mask. You know, I don't like the mask they're giving us in school. And then I checked in with him a couple of days later and he's like, you know, I'm kind of sad. I'm going to miss seeing my friends, you know, but then he's like, Oh, but I'm happy because I get to stay home and eat snacks all day. So a typical 10 year old, 10 year old response. So it's just good to be there for them and be, be cognizant of what might be going on from the more human side of thing and not just immediately go to the task focus. Cause I think that can be easy to do, you know, at least for me as a project manager, I can, I can skew too quickly to let, ju- let's just get it done and forget about the whole people side first. 
So the thing to get your family on board when you're um, making a big change, say you're moving to a new city, some things that you can do is first involve them early, ask for their input and get their buy-in. So by involving them in the process and, you know, getting their input, it, you know, helps them have ownership to what's happening. And then they'll be more apt to participate in the long run. So just have those conversations early and often with them about what's going on. And then the other thing is, you know, just be honest with them and talk about the pros and cons. Like, you know, moving to a new town, it's going to be difficult. It'll be, you know, it'll be something new. We'll be close to our grandparents, you know, have a new job. We'll have more money in the budget. So talk through the pros and cons and then, and then support them as they go through the process, you know, and, you know, get their input where you can like, okay, well, let's, you know, pick out a paint color for your room or, you know, what activities look interesting in that area or, you know, different things, you know, what do you want to sign up for when you get, get to that school? So just work them through that process. And there's a specific process called ADCAR, which uh, ProSci, which is the company that certified me in change management came up with. And it's a specific process that you can think of as you're going through these changes. And the first one is awareness. So that make them aware of the need for the change. The second one is desire. So promote the desire for the change by communicating the benefits to them. The third is the knowledge, like give them the knowledge that they need to be able to make the change. And then the next one is the ability. So do they have the ability to make the change? Like they don't have the ability to move across country themselves, right? So you would provide that ability with the moving truck and getting the family moved. And then the reinforcement is reinforcing the change with them and supporting them in any way that they need. And that could be like helping them unpack their room or talking them through, you know, what's going on at school or setting up playdates in your new neighborhood. Any ways that you can support them sort of on the functional side and the emotional side as you go through this ad car process to help them fully embrace this change that your family is going through. I think that people piece is just so key. And I love the the process that you've outlined because I think about even myself, right? As an adult, if somebody said tomorrow, you're going to be moving to a new city, <laughs> I would not be on board. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think you're right. Like if we remember with our, with our kids, especially involving them in that process from early on and providing them with that information and giving them those opportunities to have a voice and providing that support that they need to navigate that is so, so very Mm -hmm. important. Now, once we have our awesome team organized and we know the tasks that need to be completed, what are your recommendations on how we sort of approach the distribution of the workload with all the members of our family? Absolutely. So this is such an important topic and one that's gotten quite a bit of press lately. People have been referring it to the mental load of the family. And just, we have a lot more to do at home right now because we're spending a lot more time at home. And it seems like my house gets a lot dirtier, a lot faster. (laughs) Like how did the floors get dirty again? It's only been a you know? <laughs> so it's a really important topic. And I think one that if done well, can really um, create a much more positive and, you know, environment in the home, especially for women, we often feel burdened, like we're doing more than our share. And I think the key to this is communication. And there, that's a big theme in my book is communication is really important. And a lot of this is talking it through as a family on what needs to be done. Cause um, sometimes I take stuff on that people don't know I'm doing 
you know, and I start feeling overwhelmed and I'm like, oh, well, they probably don't know I'm doing this and they don't know that I'm completely overburdened. Let's talk about it, you know? So the first thing that I recommend is have a conversation, you know, with your partner, with your kids, you can make it a game and just have everyone take a sticky note and write down all the things that need to be done around the house. Like, you know, mop the floors, sweep the floors, feed the dog, water the plants, make the dishes. And whoever comes up with the most items wins a prize. So just, and then people can list what they're currently doing. And it just gives visibility to all the work. And it's a little fun. It's a little fun game. And then if you really want to be geeky, like a real project manager, you can map out what everyone's daily schedule looks like. And in my book, I provide a template to do this. This could also be a conversation about your schedule. You know, what days are you really busy? Which days you're less busy? What's your work schedule? What's your commute? So it gives you visibility into what people's availability is for this type of work. So if one partner has a really long commute and, you know, a full-time job during the week, they'll be less available during the week to help out because they won't get home until later, you know, but they might have more time on the weekends or someone may be in sports at certain, certain days of the week. And those days don't work so well, but other days do. So first get a sense of, okay, what needs to be done and what are people's availability? And then I recommend segmenting by skill set or desire. So first ask people like, well, what do you like to do? You know, like I love to cook, so I want to do the cooking, you know, and then, you know, my husband loves to do the cleaning. So he does the dishes. So that's like a natural division of labor for us. So then by skill set, and then you can divide it out based on the capacity, like who has capacity to do it after that. And then I encourage people that whenever your kids are able, really bring them in and have them start doing chores and they can start them pretty young, but just make them age appropriate and your kids can do a lot. And it's an essential life skill that they need to learn and it'll set them up for success in the long term. And it helps building in those skills that they're going to need and how to do a good job. And, and, you know, my son's learning, like, you know, I'm going to inspect when he cleans the bathroom and if he doesn't do a good job, he's got to redo it. So I'm sort of setting the expectation that you can't just, you know, skate through a job because when he gets his first job, I want him to be successful. Right. So we can start sort of, you know, practicing at home. And then he'll graduate. He's got a long time to learn, but he can, you know, learn at home what the expectation is and it helps him in the long term. It really does. There are a number of things you need to learn and be able to do in order to function out there in the big wide world. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. And I don't think we're doing our kids a service by doing it for them, right? Like it doesn't help them long term if we do everything for them. They need to learn how to do these things so that when they're grown up, they can, you know, function as they need to as an adult. Yes. Yes. One of the things um, I usually do laundry just because I don't mind. And rather than having, I know some families have each person in the family do their own laundry, but to me, it just doesn't make sense. We'd be doing so many loads a week, Mm -hmm. but I've been having my, um, my boys hang the laundry that needs to be hung to dry. Mm-hmm. And I just cannot believe how long it takes. <laughs> so it's so good because I don't, yeah. I think in a lot of cases, they just don't know. Like you don't know what you don't right. know until yeah. you experience until it yourself. Until you have to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if they ever do feel like, you know, I sort of have designated days where if I do laundry, if they're needing stuff sooner, they know what to do. And then they know that they have to go through the whole process themselves. Mm-hmm. 
And it's interesting. Like I really have to break it down for my son. Like, you know, we started with like hanging stuff up on the hanger and then we progressed to folding clothes and now we're teaching him how to run the washer, but it's just like, okay, you put, you know, this is how you put the detergent in the washer, you know, and this is the button you press for the dryer. So it's really step-by-step and, you know, just to break it down for them, depending on their age and, you know, their capabilities is just being really, because I think I assume he knows more than he does sometimes. And I really have to back up and be like, oh, okay, sort of back to that ad car model. I need to back up and give him the knowledge first before assuming that he can do it and just really run him through what, what he needs to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good investment in time. Sometimes it means things take a little bit longer, right? But, right. but at yeah. the end of the day, it's so worth it. So yeah. absolutely and, worth it. And it's not going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's probably not going to be to our standard, you know, but we've had a lot more practice, right. But they need to, they need to learn how to do it. And then, you know, you can incentivize them, you know, either through stickers or checks or screen time or, you know, candy or allowance um, to get their work done, to keep them, keep them motivated to do it. Absolutely. I love treats and prizes myself. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to set up something for me. I'm going to make a checklist. So, yeah, give yourself, do it for yourself. <laughs> now, as a mom, I'm always looking for ways to be more organized and to stay on top of all the moving parts and pieces of work life and family life. And One of the pieces of your key messaging that I really love is to always use the simplest organizational systems that work for all members of the family. So what are some of your favorite organizational systems and how have you used them with your own family? Yeah, absolutely. I think the shared family calendar is my favorite. So we have an app on um, our phones. My husband and I, it's called Cozy. That's what we use. And we can input appointments independently. We can just go on our phone say, I make a doctor's appointment. I just put it in. And then my husband can see it on his app. And that's just a really easy way. It's much better than the kitchen calendar on the wall. And you can see it on the go, like what's going on and make quick updates. So that I say, that's great. And it keeps us in line and we can review it. Or if we have questions, oh, I saw this pop up. What's this? Who's going to do this? You know, that sort of thing. So that I think is huge. The other thing that's been really helpful to me recently is the weekly chore chart for my son. And I just print it off once a week and post it for him to do. I used to do it daily, but that just got too cumbersome and I would forget to post it and, you know, it didn't work. So I went to a a weekly one. It's got icons on it and then it's got enough space for me to write anything additional if it changes. And that's been really helpful. And, And I love having a common place for chores because my son knows to look when he gets home from school. Okay, what do I need to do? My husband can go see if he's done it yet. So my husband and I don't have to constantly talk back and forth about it. We can just look at the chore chart and see the status. So part of project management is sort of like a central place to see everything at once. So you can see the common theme, like the app is the central place to see the schedule. The chore chart is the central place to see the chores. So if you can consolidate things in one place, that's the easiest way to stay organized. And then when you have it down, you don't have to worry about it anymore because, you know, you've captured that what needs to be done. Those are great 
tips. Thank you. (laughs) There's always so much to be done. So it helps to have everything in one place. And then everybody knows where to look to get the information. Right. And they're not constantly asking you for updates. And then there are a variety of different tools that families can use based on your level of complexity and number of kids. And I go through them more in my book, but you know, you can do a simple chore chart, which is basically a task list. You know, that could be just a list. It could be a whiteboard. Like when my son was young, we just used a whiteboard and I still use a whiteboard occasionally. So that's one really simple way to do it. You know, the reminders list on your phone, that's a task list. You know, I still have a blackboard in my kitchen, you know, just to capture quick things I need to do around the house. So I I sort of have, you know, places I can capture these things that I need to capture in a common area where I know that they are. And then you can go onto more um, advanced systems, depending if you have a lot of kids or you've got your kids are older and they have a lot of things to do. You know, you can do a tab spreadsheet that you print out once a week. You can have a reference sheet. You know, I did that during online school because there's a lot to keep track of. And then in project management, we have something called a Kanban board, which is basically a a bulletin board view of all tasks in progress. So you can visually see to do, doing, and done. And you can do that at home just with post-it notes. So you have, okay, I'm doing this. I need to do this. And I've done this. And your kids will just move it across the board. And you can quickly get a glance of everything that's going on. So that's useful for, you know, families with multiple kids or older kids that have a lot of homework assignments, that sort of thing. And then if you really want to go all out, there are digital versions of those. But again, like you said, I recommend the simplest version possible. Some people really like digital versions. There are some apps um, that kids can use to stay organized too that are specifically designed for them. But I recommend that it has to work for the parents and it has to work for the kids. So keep it simple. Don't burden yourself with needless process. Because the goal is to keep you more organized in the long run than you were beforehand to give you more free time. The goal isn't to give you lots to do to stay organized, right? Because what's the point? Yeah. So keep it simple. And remember, it has to work for you and the family too. That is great advice. I appreciate simple and tools that can help us get those things done without spending so much time developing the tool itself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We want to be doing other things. Yes. Now you've had quite the journey in the last little while, but even if you look back as far as you would like at your journey so far, what would be some of your favorite highlights and wins and maybe something that you're most proud of? As a mom or mom work, whatever you would like to share, it could be a little bit of both. It's just very satisfying as a project manager to roll out new products and services. And like, I'll go into a hotel and I'll be like, oh, hey, we help roll that out. It's just really fun to build something. And then you you always have that bond. Like when I'm at work and, you know, I've been working with my company for 20 years or people you rolled out a project with, you always have this bond with them because you went through that together. That's just really satisfying. And then as a mom, it's just really fun to see my son learning and growing and developing and becoming his own person. And just, you know, it's just those sweet little moments, you know, when, you know, at night when we're chatting about his day or, or just when he cracks a joke or, you know, it's just those little things that are just so precious. You know, I just try to, you know, store them up as a, you know, just, it's just so fun to think of how far he's come. Now you're going to make me cry again, how far he has come because it hasn't been easy. Right. And just the progress that he makes and just the, the joy that I see in his development. Yeah. And it, it really just so is those little moments and soaking them in because time just flies by so fast. And I, I look at our own kids and 
I have to take a, t- a deep breath because I just can't believe that they were so little once, you know, right. and yeah. now they're, our oldest is learning how to drive and <laughs> like <laughs> thinking about what he wants to do when he finishes high school. And, wow. and even our youngest, I still walk him to school most days and pick him up. But I can tell that as we get a little closer to the school, he's kind of ready just you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't really yeah. want me to give him a big hug. Yeah. A little more independent. Yeah. yeah. So they're just, yeah, things, things change. It's so nice to soak in those, those little yeah, special those moments, moments along yeah. the way. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. One is what is one of your go-to meals on those super busy days? Can it be takeout? Absolutely. What's your favorite <laughs> place to order from? We have a Peruvian chicken restaurant that we love. And their yuca fries are amazing, as well as the roasted Brussels sprouts. Those. So if you're ever good. in the DC area, go to Sardi's Chicken. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. When we are. I don't know when, but we will. That sounds amazing. And what is one of your favorite family games or activities? We're big on Uno. We play a lot of Uno. And we're, we love the outdoors, so we go hiking quite, quite a bit. Yeah, love to get outdoors and soak it in. That's awesome. And what is a book, podcast, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? Recently, I've been watching Emily in Paris, which I really like a lot. <laughs> I actually studied French and, and did a semester abroad. And it's just, I, it's a really smart show. And they talk about the cultural differences between, you know, Americans and the French. And it's, it's well done. It's nice to have those shows that are kind of an escape and make you, you know, imagine yourself being somewhere beautiful and yes, traveling again. I feel like I'm traveling when <laughs> yes. I'm not. Yes. <laughs> and if you could sit down and have a conversation with any mom, who would it be and why? Uh, well, I've always been interested sort of in sociology. It was almost my go-to degree before I went the business route. So I would love to talk to some like thinkers in that area in terms of parenting and work. And, you know, I love Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play. She talks about dividing up work kind of through a game. I'd love to talk to her or, you know, I follow like Jessica Gross of the New York Times. You know, people are sort of the forward thinkings on parenting and sort of the impacts of society now. I just find all that very interesting and, you know, be fun to have a coffee discussion with them. Those would both be very interesting conversations. Yes. Now, Thinking about the phrase, if I knew then what I know now, what would be one of the biggest takeaways or aha moments that you've had as a mom? As a mom, I would say, I don't think I fully realized the impact on a daily schedule of kids and just like, you know, afternoon pickup. It sounds silly, but I just never really talked about it you know, with just the logistics, I didn't fully realize the impact of parenting on logistics to your daily life. I think I just assumed, you know, cause I was sort of brought up in the superwoman days, like, Oh, you can do it all. You can have it all, you know? And then when it comes to it, I'm like, this is really hard. You know, there's a lot to negotiate here and it's really hard to figure out. So I wish I knew more sort of like the logistical impact and how to sort of navigate that in advance and have more time to get ready for it and plan it out. You know, I'm a planner. so <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And yes, it is quite 
yeah, you just really don't have any idea. And you're so right. There are so many logistics that go with being a parent. It's right. Yeah. And then like, what if your kid calls in sick or, you know, cause you know, my mom helped out with my son for several years and, you know, we had a neighbor who helped out. So we had some supports, but you know, now that my mom's older, she can't help. And, you know, you just really need a network of people to help you if you want to pull it off. So just thinking that through and, you know, what you can do for that support as, as you need as a parent. Yeah. And then accepting the support and asking for the support that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we wrap things up, I'm just wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. I would just say I dedicated my book to all the parents doing the best we can. And I like to say we're enough for our kids. Like you don't have to be this crazy organized, you know, project manager. I'm not, you know, I outsource lots of things to keep things sane. I don't try to do it all. You know, we get food delivered. We have housekeepers, you know, you got to outsource and do what you need to do to make it work for your family. And every family is different. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Your stop sign is going to look different than my stop sign. You know, we're all individuals, but just, you know, do what works for you and your family and give yourself grace because we all need grace. It's not going to be perfect. We definitely do need that for sure. (laughs) Hillary, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you, the work that you do, your book and all of the things, where are the best places to find you? Well, everything's at projectmanagementforparents.com. So you can link out to where you can get the book and, you know, I, blog monthly. So you can pick up latest articles. I have a newsletter if you want to be connected that way for the latest um, insights. But yeah, you can link to my social channels on Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter there too. Sounds great. Thank you so much for joining me today, Hillary. It was nice to have this conversation and to connect with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time, where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.